Clayton. John Clayton. Hey, Mom, I'm done with my this is the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts with John Clayton. Brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. Time to talk football with the professor, John Clayton, as we do every day at this time with Wyman and Baum. If you guys have questions for John, text them in, 421-3776. That's 421-ESPN. We'll try to get to some of your questions before we let him go for the day. Hello, John. Hello, guys. Did you see the story? I, I just saw this, that Andre Curtis, who was the uh, yeah. defen- defensive uh, defensive passing game coordinator for the Seahawks for the last four seasons, uh, also worked with defensive backs and, and safeties under Pete Carroll, he was let go with Ken Norton, obviously. This was a terrible, terrible pass defense. He just got hired by the Bears. Uh-huh. Did you see that? I was I I'm saw surprised that, yeah. he got picked up that quickly considering what was happening with the passing defense with this team. It didn't seem like it would make anybody that was attached to it a very attractive Yeah, I don't candidate. know if it was that quickly. Uh, I mean, because what are we, five five weeks at, since, since he was fired? So it's like yeah, uh, I meant this season. I didn't expect yeah, anybody yeah. attached to the thirty-first ranked pa- pass defense in the league to be for two after. years in a row. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But again, it's like uh, I mean, everybody starts hiring because again, you got to fill out your coaching staff, and you know this is the latest. Anybody, uh, you know, particularly the nine coaches, uh, we've never had staffs filled out this late. I mean, normally they're done like uh, a week or two before the senior bowl so that you can have the coaches go down to the senior bowl and see some players. But I mean, this is the longest wait we've ever had the longest wait to get the head coaching hires, but I'm not surprised. It's like, he's a, he's a coach in the national football league. And I don't know if there's a connection you know, with the head coach or anything like that, but uh, I'm not surprised at all. Hey John, pretty ringing endorsement from uh, Mike McDaniel down for Stephen Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he said there were absolutely no red flags, and of course, Brian Flores uh, accused him of uh, ledges that he, uh, you know, wanted him to throw games, was going to pay money for it. But he said, you know, you look at the people that are higher, there's no cost too high for winning for him. And when you're in multiple organizations, you realize that's not always the case. So. Yeah, pretty uh, from from a guy who uh, you know is one of these young, really smart head coaches. I mean, I know you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna obviously compliment the guy who just hand you a whole bunch of money and a job, but still, I thought it was a was a pretty you know interesting contrast from what we've heard. This is a paid uh, endorsement <laughs> endorsement and a sponsorship from the person that hired him. So it's like, uh, are we surprised? I mean, what's he going to say? It's like, uh, oh, no, it's like, sorry. Well, I'm assuming, though, John, I mean, if if somebody is that corrupt that they are going to, you know, pay you to lose, then, you know, that that's 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 pretty bad. And so he, he seems to be sort of. You know, coming to his defense a little bit. I, I don't feel like he had to say all the things that he had to say. Uh, probably did. I mean, again, it's it's a bad situation. People were asking him how bad you know the situation situation is, and you know he had to come up with something positive for the person that just paid him and gave him money to be the head coach of the team. So you know, it's like a it's it's one that's a paid political announcement that uh, you know it just takes care of the owner. But you know, the one it. thing is, it still has to be proven that uh, the hundred thousand dollars would offer for the losses all right all right i I get it john you're very cynical and probably rightfully so (laughs) are you surprised well i don't know i thought you you know i thought in the beginning you were sort of um 
not poo-pooing, but you were you were questioning some of the the accusations that were coming from Brian Flores. I yeah, you I know. know. I, 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 I think the the one thing with uh, like with Elway because he you could tell that that really irritated yeah. Elway because he wrote a pretty long thing about what they did, how they had to get down there, and everything like that. And you know, so maybe that part was a little bit exaggerated. You felt, but I felt that because again, uh, it was down in Florida. It was a three and a half hour interview. <clears throat> you know, uh, to say that Elway was hungover, drunk, or whatever, thought that was kind of wrong to be able to do. So it's like I, I think. You know, how, how can Denver be pulled into this? I mean, again, they're one of the teams that interviewed him. So I guess from that standpoint, they didn't hire him. He can, you know, list that team. But how do you give all those details and make it look good? So it's like I, I question that one. Yeah. Uh, John, uh, it was uh, less than a month that Chris Kiffin was coaching with his brother, Lane Kiffin, at Ole Miss and said, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to the Cleveland Browns. He's, he's, did you see the story? He left. No, I didn't. Is, is retaining his old job as the Cleveland Browns defensive line coach. Oh, okay. Less than a, less than a month with his brother. I'm wondering what happened. They, they said it was more about, you know, schedules being more the NFL schedules more favorable to you know him and his family and everything. I'm thinking, yeah, I think he probably had a pretty clear idea yeah, of what yeah. the schedules were going into this whole thing. So, well, uh, as a coach, Lane can be a handful. To his yeah. other coaches and everybody that's around him, but again, this is his brother, so it's like it's not going to be. He's that handful is not going to affect him at all. But I think a chance to get back in the National Football League and uh, you know take on a defensive line that's actually pretty good. You know, particularly to having Miles Garrett and some of the defensive tackles that they have. Although you know Sheldon Richardson and uh, Jadavian Clowney, their contracts are up. But overall, I think that uh, you know it's like. Uh, but, uh, you know, Lane can be a handful. I can guarantee you that. I remember one time there was a story about Lane Kiffin when he was in college, and he called one of his recruits from the hospital where his new baby was being delivered, like he was in the delivery room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and everybody was like, oh, wow, wow, he's really dedicated to his, uh, you know, to his players and stuff like that. I'm like, Really? You couldn't wait till I mean you're you're doing that during your wife giving birth to to your daughter. I mean, I just felt like that was, uh, he, you know, maybe he should pay a little more attention to be where you're at. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> live in the moment, man. Well, it wouldn't yeah. be a bad idea. Yeah. Holy smokes! But um, hey, John. So uh, we were, um, you know, we were just talking about the the Super Bowl and our experience. We talked to Laura uh, Rutledge. Um, I don't know why I can't say Laura Rutledge. I want to say Rora Rutledge, but anyway, she works, you know, on uh, was it ESPN, and you know does does a really good job. We we're asking her about some of the experiences. You've been to a ton of Super Bowls, John. Any uh, any interesting off the field or you know on the field type of experiences? How many Super Bowls have you been to? I think it's like forty four, forty five, something like that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he's got so, us beat. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, Bob's at seven. I think I'm at. Four that I. Well, it's funny because they asked me on the Buffalo station today, where I have a weekly hit. uh, It's like, uh, so do you watch the pregame show? It's like, no. I don't know what times the game starts. to six or three thirty or whatever. It's like no, I'll turn it on when the game starts. And it's like you know, I'm going to forty five Super Bowls, and these are the first two years that I've really missed. You know, I'm not used to watching a pregame show for the Super Bowl. I have no plans to watch a pregame show to the Super Bowl. And it's not any insult to the people that are putting on the pregame shows. It just doesn't interest me. Mm. Greatest halftime show you've ever seen, John? Uh, uh Janet Jackson. Really? 
Oh, outstanding. What was the one in Arizona? Because you, 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 remember when she opened up her blouse and, uh, you know, we, <laughs> oh, geez. we saw everything? It was like, yeah, it was, yeah. Like, it was, yeah, I, it was outstanding. I, I was there. It, what was funny about that is that nobody in, this, in the building knew what happened because no. it was like a, not even a full second. Everybody in the stands was just like, huh, anyway. And then they started handing out. We were in this section for the press, and they were handing out press releases from, I don't know if it was Fox, CBS, mm-hmm. wh- whoever was carrying the game with an apology about what took place. And we're all looking at each other like, what did we miss? We were watching the same oh, thing. You didn't yeah. even notice it being in the building. It was weird. Well, but it, it was Justin Timberlake ripping yeah. it off, right? Not yeah, her yeah, undoing yeah, her yeah, blocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing that on TV and just going, uh, I, did we really just see that? Yeah, it I was know. such a quick flash that it was like I, I didn't notice it being there. But And normally it's like I don't get to see the halftime show because you know, we have free food, so we go get the food. <laughs> but, I mean, at this time I, I actually came over and I was actually sitting next to you know, one of the main PR guys for the National Football League, Joe Brown, and I'm eating the food and all that stuff. And we we both looked down there. We go, oh my God, look at that! Huh? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Great, greatest halftime show to me, John, is Prince. That they oh yeah, crushed yeah. it. Uh-huh. That's uh-huh. the greatest one I've ever seen. Without it, to me, it's not even close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Michael Jackson was good. Yeah, I got to wonder with about, Janet and Michael how much lip syncing is going on in, in, uh, in most of those oh, cities. With Michael, there wasn't. Maybe with Janice, there was. You yeah, know, but, my, I'm sorry, Bob. Go ahead. No, Go I'm ahead. just saying Prince just Thank crushed. You. It was perfect. It was warm, but it was raining. He's yeah. singing Purple Rain. He sounded yeah. amazing. It was just I had, that was emotional. That was that. That was brilliant. Yeah. He was so good. Yeah. That was uh, a great performance. I have to say, guys, though, that my favorite um, halftime shows have always been Up With People. Those those are always from the seventies or when was. Do that? you remember that, John? I mean, it, yeah. Sometimes I think in the first one they yeah. had like a uh, high school band uh-huh. at halftime, but up with people was this uh, people dressed in like khakis and mm-hmm. you know sweaters and they sang all these positive songs. I want to say there was like five or six of them. Right, up with people, huh. and now we're talking Rolling Stones. We saw the Rolling Stones Super Bowl forty, right? Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good one. But I like, John, that we asked you your favorite Super Bowl memory, and it was uh, Janet Jackson's blouse coming down. Okay, yeah. So oh, I, that that was, I, I mean, honestly, that was outstanding. What about the week before, though? I'm just joking. Uh, the week before, like Bob and I were talking about, you know, in New York and, you know, all the, the great things. that. Remember they had the bowling, mm-hmm. and then there was that big warehouse with a whole bunch of food vendors in there. I mean, that was, that was like magical. It was like Disneyland. Yeah, but the, the weird, weird part about the New York Super Bowl is that uh, if you're, as we were all downtown, I mean, you couldn't tell there was a Super Bowl going on. I mean, there was very, few, I mean, you know, you can, if you're right next to the hotel, that, uh, every, you know, media hotel and all that stuff, there was a little bit. But, I mean, you look through the streets, I mean, there wasn't like a big thing saying Super Bowl here, Super Bowl there, all that stuff. It just wasn't there. It was just, it was so different. I loved it. I thought yeah. it was awesome there, man. Uh, such a great city, such a great time for Super Bowl out there. Mm-hmm. But, hey, as far as uh, injuries and things, somebody was texting in, and I just lock, lost their text, but they were just asking essentially about the health of both these teams going into the game. What do you, what do you, can you tell us? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, don't, I still can't see Azuma, the tight end, playing. You know, that doesn't seem to be very good. Uh, you know, and I think overall that's, that's pretty much it. I'm just amazed Eric Weddle. I mean, if you, if you get the latest on Eric Weddle because obviously, you know, he's filling in for the engine Jordan Fuller. And then, of course, uh, Vic Ra- Victor Rapp 
from Washington. I mean, he was hurt, and so he he's come in and in the uh, championship game he had nine tackles, nine tackles. Mm-hmm. And you know what did uh, Sean McVay do with him this week? He gave him the green dot. So in other words, he's the only one on the field that gets the plays coming in from the sidelines. And here's a guy that's only been there for three weeks. That's a yeah. four weeks, I guess, because they got the they had the bye week. But that's incredible. So it's like, a, and then you know, it's bad on it's it's bad, I guess you can say, on the Bengals side because Azuma's not going to play probably for the Bengals. And then of course, you know, they don't have Riley Reef. He remains on injured reserve. You know, they had to t- you know, so uh, you know, they have an unknown at right tackle. You know, a guy that's giving up the most sacks at left tackle. So that's that's not a good situation. What about on the other side? Well, didn't Higby have a pretty significant yeah, he, injury? Yeah, I, I don't know if Higby's going to be able to play. Yeah, it's interesting, both tight ends. But I saw mm-hmm. Uzoma was saying that he'll dive into a vat of chili if he doesn't yeah, play no, or been, something like he, that. I mean, he's been talking food. He's been talking McDonald's. He's, I mean, all he does is talk food. Well, isn't that, that's in in honor of Cincinnati, right? The Skyline yeah, yeah. Chili is their Skyline big chili, chili. right? 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 Yeah. yeah. All right. Good for him. That that'd be an interesting visual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a vat of chili, a great promo for them. Hey, one other coaching hire that I thought was interesting: the the Jags are expected to hire Press Taylor as their new offensive coordinator. Uh, he's he spent five seasons with Doug Peterson, who's the new head coach out right. in Jacksonville. But what's interesting, according to the story. He's going to be hired as the offensive coordinator, but he won't be calling plays because uh-huh. Peterson said last Saturday he was going to be calling the plays. So what is, as the OC, what would his role be? Uh, just preparing the game. I mean, again, you've got about 14, 15 coaches that do that. So it's like it's not unusual that our offense, and, and again, that's what owners want. They want an offensive young play caller to, uh, to work with the quarterback and do that. So it's you know kind of kind of like what Keith Butler was going through when he was with the Steelers as defensive coordinator because Tomlin called all the plays and you know Keith didn't. Uh, we know Lovey Smith's going to call all the defensive plays for Houston, but uh, you know. Uh, most of the guys, particularly those that come from the Rams, and of course he comes from the 49ers. I mean, you know, they 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 get to call the plays because that's why they were hired, and the offensive coordinator gets the title, but he doesn't get a chance to do it. I mean, you know, so it's like welcome to the NFL. Was that the the case in Sandy or the Chargers with the Chargers uh, and Brandon Staley? Was he? actually calling the defenses do you think well he, he was, was the a defensive coordinator and uh, sean mcveigh's not the defensive coordinator so yeah he was the one calling. Oh, i'm talking about him as a head coach with the chargers he huh. was d coordinator with the rams and then huh? he gets the head coaching job with the chargers and i'm asking did he uh was he calling the defenses for the chargers that i don't know i don't know okay. who the defensive coordinator is i mean i would imagine he was but i can't uh you know i can't give you any facts on that huh interesting John, the 509 asking, uh, they said, Hey, John, in your opinion, were the issues on defense last the last two seasons more of the schemes uh, that Ken Norton came up with, or was it the talent that they do or don't have on defense? No, I think it was the coordination more than anything else, because particularly the problems with the passing game is that, uh, hey, listen, they've got two 
great linebackers and Bobby Wagner and certainly uh, it was a, so they got great linebackers but they weren't in sync with the secondary and then when injuries started to happen in the secondary that made things even worse and so I think the biggest problem was the fact that you know they couldn't get any kind of sync until the second half of the season with the linebackers the corners the safeties and everything else so that left them vulnerable in the middle of the field and so then I mean scheme wise my my only well, my one criticism of Ken Norton Jr. is that uh, you know it seemed like he put a few three four elements in there. Uh, and it's like, for example, it's like you know I don't think you should have you know defensive ends dropping back in coverage, which he did. Uh, that's not good. And I'm not talking about uh, you know. Uh, you know, but you know, some older uh, guys. I mean, you know, Al Woods dropping back in coverage. It's like I mean, come on. I didn't like that part of it. Yeah, we didn't like that either. That was, uh, and I don't think D linemen like it. No, you know. And, well, if it, if it depends. I mean, if you're a three-four, it's a little bit different. But if you're a four-three, yeah. and this is a four-three, you know, that's that's one of the criticisms that I had. You know, because again, it's like uh, you're getting out of sync, and you're taking you know a big guy away from the line of scrimmage. Well, the other thing is they just didn't know how to drop. Yeah, I mean, they, they were just dropping to a spot. They weren't mm-hmm. like looking up receivers and all the things that you do. So, yeah, that was that was frustrating. Um, hey, John, do you have any clarity? We've been sort of debating and you know talking about the whole uh, Dan Snyder thing. Yeah, and you know the investigation and and why um, why is it because the NFL is a private entity and so they don't have to publicly. Uh, disclose things, I guess, if if they don't want to. But the agreement with because Roger Goodell didn't really answer the question about you know what kind of uh, you know arrangement did you have with Daniel Snyder because they're investigating him, and yet they're not allowed to um, divulge any of the details about him unless he gives them permission. Mm-hmm. Can you clear any of that up? Is that something that is? that goes on typically or is this out of the ordinary no it's like it's you know part of the ordinary but the thing is is that uh, if something happened bad and he was involved or he was in charge he should have major penalties for it not just like some hundred thousand plus or two hundred thousand dollar fine i mean he'd have major sanctions one thing that roger did say yes the other day is that uh, or yesterday uh, was that uh, you know they do have the ability if things go wrong to force an owner to sell? I yeah. didn't know they can do that, and, they, and you know they won't. Uh, but uh, you know, but uh, they, they, why would did. you say that? Well, you know they won't because I mean he has done owners, a fair amount. Owners protect owners. He's yeah. making sixty-three point nine million dollars. So in other words, and he protects the owners. So it's like, uh, you know, $63.9 million, say, the likelihood of him ever doing that is not good. Well, I just think that there would be, I would think anyway, that there would be pressure from the other owners because, you know, he's doing these things that are making the NFL look bad and mm-hmm. taking away from him. And it's it's nearly impossible to make the NFL look bad right now. And he's getting it done. So, you know. The it, other it, owners aren't, they, they either don't care or they're not getting themselves involved. Or they're just kind of letting it go, mm. and and maybe some have their own skeletons in the closet that they don't yeah. want. It's a good divulged point. Yeah. as well. So who knows? Who knows what's the motivation with that? Uh, the five hundred nine John asking now that Ed Donatell is out in Seattle, 
what are the chances of Sean Desai becoming? But he, this is his first year as defensive coordinator. And Carl Scott has only had one year in the National Football League. To me, you know, they need a little bit more seasoning in there just for, for game uh, plan preparation. Now, of course, obviously, you know, Pete Carroll is one of the oldest coaches in the league and has been doing it for some time, and he can help with that preparation. But, uh, you know, I still think they need to add uh, another hand or two. Hey, John, you know, another one of the questions yesterday uh, thrown at Goodell was about what's going on in Vegas. Yeah. And, you know, next year the Super Bowl is in Arizona, Mm -hmm. but Super Bowl 58 is going to be in Las Vegas. Um, you know, I, I don't even remember what his answer was because like most of his answers yesterday, it was pretty vague and lots of words and yeah. not really saying that much. But, you know, as far as all the things that, you know, Vegas has caught a fair amount of attention right now just because of, you know, the, the number of things, including the Alvin Kamara thing at the Pro Bowl. Um, you know, as far as the process goes to get, I mean, I don't know if things keep happening like that. Would they ever change or what's the process for getting a Super Bowl? Because I know it goes Arizona, Vegas and New Orleans the next three years after this one. No, I mean, uh, the, the only thing I mean, it was some questions at the beginning of January, whether they'd have to not move it away from Los Angeles. But that's a COVID-19 thing it has nothing to do with the city, you know, what's going on. And, you know, because I mean, right now, I mean, you can see there's there could be a major problem at this Super Bowl because the truckers are thinking about blocking the roads just like they're doing right now, you know, across the Canada border and all that stuff, you know, uh, Canada border and Detroit and all that. So it's like, uh, you know, but uh, no, I mean, nothing like that will change what the uh, where the Super Because remember, I mean, this is big investments by the cities that have these Super Bowls. John, we appreciate it. We'll talk tomorrow. Okay, thanks. There you go. If you missed any of today's cold, hard facts, brought to you by Coors Light, made to chill, download the podcast at 710sports.com. There will be a major change coming to baseball this season and moving forward. We'll talk about that next with Wyman and Bob on 710 ESPN Seattle.